Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Greetings and welcome. This is Brooke Volk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the book and ebook Revelation of Revelation a total fraud. What you're about to hear on this evening's episode of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now in this audio talk shoe format. We want you to listen in now as we introduce the program's topic on this one-of-a-kind program where it is the scripture that speaks the truth through the in-depth scripture studies of Ken Vernon. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And Hello to everyone who has joined us tonight. We welcome you and we thank you for being with us. As usual, we tell everyone, for any questions that you may have, whether you want to ask them now online or you would like to send us an email, simply go to our website, revelationofrevelation.com, click on Contact, and you can ask any question you like, 24-7-365. Your, answer, your, answer, your questions will be answered within the 24-hour period for sure. So feel free, if you're online with us tonight, call in with your questions. Don't be afraid to interrupt. We are prepared to handle that. Last week, we brought you the first portion of tonight's ending, part two, where the scripture tells us that Messiah, or Christ, as it appears in the English translation of your Bible, is the end of the law for righteousness. There are those within the Christian community who, even as I speak, find it very difficult to accept that. How can the end, how can the law come to an end? It's very simple. The law was put in place 430 years after Abraham was called. The Bible tells us that. In Exodus, in Exodus it reminds us. In Galatians, Paul reminds the, uh, the church in Galatia. And so on. Abraham was called, and the scripture says that his belief, by his belief, he demonstrated his faith. If you remember when Messiah came into Galilee in the first chapter of Mark, he said to the people, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
repent and believe the good news. Messiah brought with him, or Christ for those who are not too familiar with using that word, he brought with him a new system, a system based on faith, just as the same system that existed when Abraham was called. None of the patriarchs of ancient Israel kept the law of Moses. They could not keep the law of Moses. There was no Moses 430 until 430 years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the children of Israel left Egypt on the Passover. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 25 could be exact, Moses wrote, he said, and I quote, and it is all righteousness if we continue to observe the law with its statutes and its judgments. That is how the children of Israel would show their righteousness to the Creator. Whether they believed it or not, he gave them something physical to do. He was not concerned with their faith at that time. If you recall from your Old Testament studies, nowhere in any of the Old Testament studies we are told that the law will bring you salvation. It just simply does not work that way. From Ezekiel, from the prophet Ezekiel, of course, we learn that the entire nation of Israel will one day be resurrected. But it has nothing to do with the law. It was not because of the law. It's simple because that this is his plan. He's not planning to bring the whole world together at this time. He's dealing only with the first fruits, which you will find in the law of Moses that is there for the people who observed the Passover. And after the Passover, 50 days later, would come the festival of firstfruits. Well, that festival depicts the firstfruits from the time the law of Moses was given. The children of Israel were not aware of that. That was never brought to their attention as a future date where there will be people who will be called who will be called the first fruits. If you go back and look at all the holy days which Moses was inspired to record, you will see that the Creator uses agriculture as his analogy base for all the festivals. Every place in your Bible, you will find that your Creator actually uses the most simple, basic 
easiest to understand system so that no one should have any need to misunderstand any of his festivals. Again, those festivals were designed to point us to future events, not present events. The, for example, the law that he gave to Moses, it was designed specifically for the children of Israel in the land of Israel, and they were given a priesthood, and they were given a place of assembly. Everyone, I'm sure, remembers Solomon's temple. That was the designated place of assembly. Today, we do not have a temple. That second temple was also removed just as the first temple was removed when the law of Moses was removed, just as it was removed in AD 70, AD CE 70, by the Roman armies. The problem with saying the end of the law for most people is it is difficult to understand that the law can be taken away. Tonight, I will show you, based upon both incidences where the temple, the designated place of assembly, was removed and the priesthood was also removed. Everyone today knows that the temple is not in Jerusalem anymore, hasn't been there since the first, 70, first century in the year 70. The first temple, Solomon's temple, was removed when the tribes of Judah and Levi were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And that goes back, huh, someplace around 625, 635 B.C. That was their faith for not continuing to observe those laws that Moses gave them when he said, this is our righteousness if we observe, diligently observe these laws to show their righteousness. Tonight, I will share with you a bit of history from your Old Testament so that you will learn firsthand that the law was removed at the time of the Babylonian exile. It is no mystery. It's in your Bible, in plain language, the easiest places that you can find. The, uh, the Old Testament faithfully, or the, the Creator faithfully had the prophet Jeremiah record that event. You can find it for yourself if you wish to read it in Lamentations, and I will bring you that passage in a moment as soon as I get there in my my uh, large print, King James. Okay, I'm there. Now I'll take you to the beginning. 
this was after the temple was destroyed and the children or the tribes of Judah and Levi are now in Babylon. And here is how Jeremiah writes. He says, How does the city sit solitary that was full of people? How will she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces, how will she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction. And because of great servitude, she dwells among the heathen. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. And catch this. The, way, the ways of Zion do mourn, because none come to the solemn feasts, those feasts that they were supposed to faithfully observe. There is none to come to the feast because they were taken out of the land, and Solomon's temple at this point was destroyed. Let me continue. All her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she's in bitterness. I will skip to verse 7. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction, of her miseries, all her pleasant things, that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy, and none did help her. The adversaries saw her and did mock at her Sabbaths. Now, I'll take you to the destruction of the temple and the removal of the law. Here we go. I'll pick it up in verse 2 of chapter 2. The Lord has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob and has not pitied. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof. He has cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy, and and he burned against Jacob like a flaming fire which devours round about. He has bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. Verse 5, the Lord was an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He has destroyed his strongholds and has increased in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. And he has violently taken away his tabernacle. The designated place of assembly, he took it away. 
as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the solemn feast and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. What an incredible thing. He actually caused all the people, priests and people alike, to forget the Sabbaths. An incredible thing. Whoever heard of such a thing? No church will tell you that today. No religious guru will give you that information. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's very real. It's right here in your Bible. All you have to do is read it yourself. Let me continue. He has caused the solemn feast and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion and has despised in his indignation of his anger the king and the priest. The Lord has cast off his altar. He has abhorred his sanctuary. He has given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of a solemn feast. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore he made a rampart on the wall to lament. They languished together. He continues in verse 9. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. It doesn't get any easier than that. The scriptures, the Most High, makes that point. The law is no more. Of course, that was for the Babylonian exile, which lasted for 70 years. Once they were returned, once the exiles, those who survived the 70 years, returned to the Holy Land, Zerubbabel rebuilt Solomon's temple, and then the law was restored to both those two tribes once again, the tribe of Judah and Levi, the priestly tribe. Let me continue in verse 10, just to give you a, a more graphic description of what happened to them. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. Mine eyes do fail with tears. Jeremiah now says, My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured out upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is food? When they swoon, as the wounded in the streets of a city, when their soul was poured out in all their mother's bosom. And I can hold it at this point. Those verses clearly show everyone, everyone who would like to know that the law was taken away at that time. The priest longer received nothing from him. The people returned from that captivity after 70 years. The temple was rebuilt and once again destroyed. 
It was destroyed in 70 AD, just as was promised by the Messiah during his ministry, when he explained to his disciples that the temple will be torn down again, and the reason is simply, simply because he was rejected. They refused to accept him, and once again he rained down retribution on them for rejecting him. Difficult to understand, but if he loses, as I sometimes use my own wording, when he comes unglued, he kills you. As he reminds us all, we are the dust of the ground, and he can take us out any time. He so chooses based upon our obedience to him. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Shaul, called Saul or Paul in your English translation of the Bible, had a problem with the folks, with the congregations in Galatia. It seems that there were people who were going in and among these congregations telling people that, A, telling the Gentiles, rather, that they had to be circumcised, that they had to be keeping the law of Moses to earn salvation. When, in fact, the system that everyone lived under from the time the Messiah came in the first century was the same as the system Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived under. They kept no law. They went to no temple. They did not listen to any priest. They lived their lives. There was not even a Sabbath day to observe. They were free men. They all lived their entire lives free of any priests or any church or any, any religious assembly of any kind. That's where we are at this time. But once again, there are people who do not understand that. Even after the temple was destroyed in the first century, just as it was at the time of the Babylonian exile, and the priests and the people who ran into that temple were all slaughtered. Everyone died. Josephus, the first century Hebrew, Hebrew historian, recorded that recorded that for everyone to read. You can go to any encyclopedia and you will find it. Or you can buy Josephus' book if you so desire. But again, the point I'm making here is that the law was removed twice. The people going into the congregations in Galatia, as I said before, were telling the people that they had to keep the law of Moses. Yeah. The apostle was so angry with them because they were emphasizing, for example, circumcision. And he was so angry, he said, he wished they would stop doing that or castrate themselves. <laughs> That's the language he used. He was so angry because he had gone to Galatia, he had preached the good news of the soon-coming kingdom, and now these people are coming back into the congregations, telling the people 
They can't be saved without keeping the law of Moses. Nothing could be further from the truth. This whole world, except for a few people, eventually won't be saved. But for now, only the people who receive that good news about the kingdom of heaven are the people who are being saved. They are called the first fruits. Those are the people to whom the apostle was sent. All the apostles were sent into the existing world at that time with that message to tell the people that a most incredible thing is about to happen. Didn't happen in their day, but it's going to happen in our day. Next year, to be exact. There are some who don't see that because they don't understand the significance of those four blood moons that started on Passover of 2014. They don't know that that 2000 Passover marks three and a half years spoken of in the book of Daniel chapter 12 that brings us exactly to Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, if you like, next year on the Day of Atonement. They don't realize that all those blood moons, the next three blood moons, in that series of four blood moons, each one fell on what the world calls Jewish holidays. They're not Jewish holidays. They are the Creator's designated times which, as I pointed out at the beginning, are there to show us the future and how things are going to unfold. Each one of those blood moons, 2015, fell on Passover again. The next one fell on on Feast of Tabernacles, first day, and the last one fell on the last day. He drew a picture for us showing us that the coming, the kingdom of heaven is now, now at hand for everyone to see. From the prophet Joel, from the first century, they were, the people were reminded that the moon will be turned to blood at the time of the end. Sure enough, right on schedule, those tetrad moons came along and they fell on Jewish holidays. Do you think that's coincidence? That's no coincidence, my friend. Those days, those the sun and the moon were put there and specifically ordered by the Creator to give us those blood moons, blood moons at this time, at the time of the end. Again, the law was removed. No one is required to keep the law at this time because the children of Israel rejected the Creator at the time in the first century when he brought them the good news of a soon-coming kingdom. And on that note, I see i got four minutes in front of me. I'll go back to Brooke and see what Brooke has for us. 
thank you again as our program nears its end. And for those who have questions or would like to have personal dialogue with Ken Vernon, it's easily done at any time to your convenience through the emails found on the contact tab at revelationofrevelation.com. Remember, it is the scriptures that dispel their own scriptures of what is erroneous. And this is the only program that points that out through the scriptures showing the truth, where men have added the traditions of men and have brought the scriptures into their particular uh, denomination of teaching, and they made it so under false pretenses, of which scriptures warn against that. So there's a lot of different beliefs out there, The time, as Ken just mentioned, is coming nigh until there will be signs and there will be irrefutable signs that, aha, you can realize this is what this program has been talking about on the talk show format for the past several years. We thank you for joining in this evening, and I remember to mention once again revelationofrevelation.com. Email Ken Vernon directly from the contact page Regardless of what your question is or the dialogue you have, please put it to Ken and have an open dialogue between the two of you. Until our next program, this is Brooke Volk saying thank you for joining in with us. We look forward to your next program, of which all are being archived here on TalkShoe. Good night, Ken. Good night, Brooke. Good night, everyone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.